welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 156, Talking Turkey with Chris Parrish. And I am your host and the guy who got in trouble with the law this week. You heard me right. I got in trouble with the law, and I actually led the police on a short, low-speed, OJ-style chase on a Birmingham street this week. (laughs) And I'll tell you more about that in just a minute, but right now we are 147 days, 8 hours, 37 minutes, and 41 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama, and... I am very blessed to say that I won't be in prison this year for the opening day of turkey season because of the low-speed chase that I took the police on. So I'll try to make this story pretty brief. So earlier this week, I told one of my clients that I would meet her in the parking lot at one of the local Lowe's home improvement stores here in Birmingham to get some documents from her because she did not have time to bring those documents by my office because she needed to get her mother to her radiation treatment and I needed those documents that day. So I agreed to meet her at the Lowe's and in typical fashion, I left my office a couple of minutes later than I should have. And I was nervous on the way there that I was going to be a couple of minutes late because I knew my client was going to be a couple of minutes late to get her mother to her radiation treatment. And I did not want to be the cause of her mother getting to her radiation treatment any later than they were already going to get there. So I'm nervous that I'm going to make them even more late, and I don't want to. So as I'm driving down the road to get to where I'm going to meet them, I ended up getting behind three different vehicles that felt like they needed to almost come to a complete stop in the road that we were on in order to turn right. And two of those people actually had a right-hand turn lane. So I was getting a little bit frustrated as I was driving. I wasn't speeding and I wasn't driving erratically until the third car in front of me just about did come to a complete stop to turn right. And at that point, because that car did have a right-hand turn lane that they did not want to use for whatever reason, I decided I was going to use the center turn lane to pass that vehicle. And I did. After I passed that vehicle, 
I look in my rearview mirror and I just so happen to see a vehicle two cars behind me with a brush guard on the front and a row of thin lights on top of it. And I thought, that doesn't look real good for me right now. And about that time, as I'm looking at that vehicle in the rearview mirror, blue lights come on on top of that vehicle. And the car that was between me and the police car decided they would pull over onto the side of the road and the police officer passed them. And now the police officer's gaining speed in order to get up behind me to let me know that he wants me to pull over. So he gets right up behind my vehicle and it's pretty obvious to me that I am the reason that he's got those blue lights on. But at this point in time, I was about three quarters of a mile away from where I needed to meet my client. And I thought to myself, if I pull over right now, there is no way that I'm going to be able to meet my client to get those papers from her right now. And there's no way that I'm going to be able to get those papers from her after her mother's radiation treatment because she'll still have her mother with her and she will want to get her mother back home. And I made the conscious decision of proceeding on towards my meeting spot with my client with a police car in hot pursuit behind me. So after about a quarter of a mile or so with the police officer behind me with his lights on, he flipped the siren on just to let me know that he was there. And I kindly waved at him to acknowledge the fact that I knew he was there, but I kept on. When I turned into the parking lot of Lowe's to meet my client, I parked the truck and the police officer got out of his vehicle. My client got out of her vehicle at the same time. The police officer approached from the passenger side window. My client approached from the driver's side window. And as a police officer starts to talk to me through the passenger side window, I held my hand up and asked him to please just hang on for a second that I needed to talk to her very quickly. So I got the papers from my client and talked to her very briefly for a matter of maybe five seconds. And she turned around and walked off and got in her car. And when she did, I looked over at the police officer in the passenger side window and I said, Sir, I'm very sorry. I didn't mean to be rude. I didn't mean to take you on an OJ style police chase down the road. (laughs) But I had to get here to meet her to get these documents from her. So he then proceeded to ask me why I passed the car using the turn lane. And at that point in time, I told him, the story as to why I was in a hurry to meet my client there. And he asked me for my driver's license and my insurance verification card, and I gave him those two things. He went back to his vehicle, and about 10 minutes later, he came back with my license and my insurance card and politely asked me to be more careful next time. Not even a written warning, just a verbal warning asking me to be more careful and telling me that he did not want to have to work a head-on collision accident involving me because I used the center turn lane to pass someone. And he's right. But fortunately for me, I got out of that whole situation with no ticket, no accident, not hurting anyone, and still getting my client on the road to get her mother to her radiation treatment. But I've never been involved in a low-speed police chase before, and I'm not sure I'm going to do it again, but it was pretty uncomfortable. 
<laughs> I gotta be straight up with you guys. It was pretty uncomfortable for me. All right, so enough about my run-in with the law. I've got a quick intro and outro for you guys today. I have Chris Parrish on the phone with me this week after having him help me with a little project that I'm working on that I hope I will be able to share with you guys in the next 60 days or so. I hit Chris up to do a short interview with me this week to share how his spring 2017 season went. And, well, here's Chris Parrish, and I'll see you guys on the other side. Hey, guys, I have on the line with me today Chris Parrish. And as you guys know, Chris has been on the show several times before. He's a friend of the show and an all-around good guy. And I actually got the opportunity to spend some time with Chris over the past 24 hours and work on a little project together with him. And I'll be telling you guys more about that in another episode a little later in the year. But I tricked Chris into coming on the line with me today just to kind of give us an update as to how his spring 2017 season went and what his major takeaways were from this past season. And I know we're now for many states in the fall season, but it never hurts for us to hear stories of turkey hunts, whether it's spring or fall, and get a few takeaways from those. So Chris, thank you very much for your time over the past day, but also for agreeing to come on the podcast again with me and share how your season went this past year. So how are you? Doing well, doing well. I haven't seen you in probably, what, 15 minutes? Yeah, it's, it's been a long time. I know you missed me. I know. And I, yeah, I, yeah. I just, you I call, feel hey, that. you called me. <laughs> oh, no, here it goes again. Uh, well, quit calling me, man. Uh, I'm going to have to yeah, get a restraining no. order on you. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm doing well. I, I got out of Birmingham, by golly. That can't be a bad thing. I got out of there without being being in an accident. Man, I'm telling you, traffic yesterday in Birmingham was a royal mess in the morning. I had to get out there in it. It tends to be that way. Yeah, it it does. You're right. Yeah. So, you know, turkey season was awesome, Andy. I had one of the best years that I've ever had. I didn't hunt a lot of places. I hunted Nebraska, Missouri, and Kansas. Successful everywhere. Limits with tags I had available. And I found that the turkeys worked well. Uh, I didn't have a lot of issues for the most part. Uh, probably the toughest turkey that I hunted overall was the second bird that I killed in Missouri. And it was, you know, probably a, a situation of where our timing was perfect for the, the peak breeding. You know, very hinned up turkeys. They were laying a little bit fickle. We had a lot of ups and downs in weather. We would go from rainy, drabby days to super hot days, you know, not those average days. And right. I think whenever you have the, the, those major pressure changes, turkeys just act fickle during those, those major pressure changes. And if they're happening on a every other day basis, it kind of keeps them in a funk, if you will. And uh, I found that happening the last part of the Missouri season. But, you know, Kansas, as always, was fantastic the birds gobbled well as they always do they tend to have a fantastic ongoing population of turkeys good hatches every year a lot of that has to do with just habitat they just have good nesting habitat with a lot of the crp and their farming practices they don't farm all the way up to the edges of fence rows they keep fence row cover and it just it just makes makes it easier for the turkeys to to hatch out and, and to raise a good brood but yeah I found that my second bird, just a little story there, my second bird in Missouri, I found myself 
making some mistakes that I'd made early in my hunting career. You know, this was my 42nd year of turkey hunting, and you think you have it all figured out, and you think you've got all those mistakes eliminated, and you find out real quick that your amount of time that you get to spend hunting and putting pressure on yourself can revert you back to your childhood, pulling fully stunts and making hasty setups. And I'll, I'll quickly go through it. I, I had my first morning in Missouri, Steve Stoltz filmed me, and I roosted birds the night before, went in, set up 65 yards from them on the roost. Thought there was only one bird, to tell you the truth. Ended up being three, and I ended up killing a really, really good inch-and-a-half spurred turkey. Just I would have shot any three of them. I just happened to shoot probably the bigger of, of the three by accident, which mm-hmm. happens sometimes. Bird worked right off the roost. I was done at like 6.23 in the morning. It was over with quick. <clears throat> and, of course, you always like that when, when it goes that way. Yeah. But my second bird, I, I found myself kind of stuck on a turkey. There was actually a pair of turkeys. Now, they wouldn't roost together, as you would find, you know, a lot of turkeys. So when they, they would roost within about 100 yards of one another. But they were always together. Mm-hmm. And they would never fly down and go the same direction. But they were always roosted within 100 yards of one another. It was a, it was kind of funny, and it, it led me to believe at the time I was probably dealing with, you know, some older age-class birds, some mature turkeys. And I tried to hunt them. It seemed like, too, they had a little bit of a pattern. They would roost on a little ridge, and they would roost there for about two days, and then they would move over, and they would roost in this little, this little bottom about 300 yards in a different direction. They'd roost in that bottom, and they'd roost there for a couple of days, and then they'd go over and roost on that ridge for a couple of days. And I hunted them about probably four days and you know off and on just simply because i'm not in a row but but the weather kind of got me a little bit where it was storming one day and i couldn't hunt and this yeah. and that i had to travel this day i couldn't hunt well i just kind of was thinking i had to go to kansas and finish up my season and i went over there finished up my season i came back and i had basically what i thought was going to be a half a day on saturday not a half a day but like the later in the morning through the the end of the you know one o'clock time period and maybe maybe a sunday to hunt that was going to be the end of it mm-hmm. my wife called me on the way and she said hey i'm going for a run in the morning uh rusty is going to go ahead and stay all night with your mom and dad and i said well shoot i'll just get up and go hunting if that's okay and she goes that's fine so i thought to myself i should be on that third day interval with these turkeys and they ought to be in this little bottom so I didn't get home till late. I took a chance. I, I got up that morning. I slid in in a pitch dark, probably 45 minutes before you could even see the ground. Where they had been roosting at in this bottom, there's a couple of sycamore trees in there, big, tall sycamore trees. And I just took a chance that maybe one of them would be in there. And I got in there and sat down about 65 yards of that tree and got myself situated on the top of the little – it's a bottom, then it comes up on a little – a little ridge hump and then goes out to a, a gravel road that is a just a road that's inside the the, the piece of property it's it's part of the property it's not yeah, something not someone a boundary road yeah okay right and i i sat up there and as it started getting where i could skylight i looked and i saw a turkey in a tree and i i looked with binoculars and i thought it was a hen about five o'clock that hen gobbled and uh, ended up being a, a gobbler and so i thought well i'm sitting right here I got a 50-50 chance of him flying down in my lap. I'm not going to make a sound. I'm just going to sit here. Sometimes the best calling we can do is no calling at all, especially in a situation like that. Yeah. And there was another bird. His buddy was actually across this little through lane right on the other side, and he started gobbling. So now I'm between two turkeys, but I could be in the dilemma if one from behind me started coming and I was still facing this other turkey. Well, 
the other turkey jumped up on another branch and the one in front of me and he acted like he was going to turn and and fly down the opposite direction and at the same time this turkey behind me gobbled and he was on the road so he's 60 yards and coming and i had made a peep he's just coming to that other turkey goblin so now understand we're at the last part of the season here this is the second to the last day okay so probably the majority of the breeding is done most of the hens are on the nest and sometimes you see these turkeys gobble each other back up well, I thought to myself, boy, I could be in a pickle. This bird comes, I'm going to have to let him walk completely by me before I shoot because he's going to come in behind me. If I call, I'm going to lock him up behind me. And this turkey looks like he's going to fly the other direction. So all I did is I made one cluck. The turkey in front of me pitched out, started to sail, and made a loop and, and sailed back around and landed about 25 steps in front of me. I never made a call to him. I never did anything. I just trained the gun on him and pulled the trigger, and I was right. He was another inch and five sixteenth spurred turkey old mature bird yeah and i was done at like five forty in the morning so but i had some incidences in between that where i would hunt those turkeys of the morning and then i would take off and start running and gunning going after other areas where some other birds were and i found myself putting so much pressure on me because of my time schedule of traveling other places that i was working too fast I was making hasty setups and not studying the terrain and putting myself in bad positions and then and then and bumping turkeys, you know, yeah. just by acting too fast and not, not looking the situation over. And it goes to show you, it doesn't matter how long you hunt, how much time you have under your belt, you're, you're going to make mistakes and you're going to do crazy things and foolish things and they're going to make you look like a fool at some point. Right. I think that's a good reminder for all of us and even the new hunters because they may be making those mistakes for the first time, but, you know, and trying to learn from those mistakes so they don't make them again. But it's good to know that they're not the only ones that make it. Even us guys who are experienced make those mistakes. And chances are they're going to make the mistake again, too. Even if they learn from it the first time, it it, it can happen again. And I definitely can relate to what you went through in the middle part of the season because I think for a lot of us, the middle part of the season in most states is tough hunting because the birds are usually hinned up and they don't gobble a whole lot. Not as much as they do early and in that magic period of two or three or four days late in the season when they're trying to, when they find themselves alone and they haven't been alone before, they get pretty desperate at that point. But those those mid-season hunts can be a struggle. And it can be frustrating and no matter how seasoned you are. Yeah, and we we tend to try to force things to happen, make decisions that aren't the best. And we know after we make them that they're not the best decisions. So, yeah, I I can definitely relate to to all that. I think my frustration level when I'm hunting in Alabama is always highest in the in the middle part of the season. You know, I I tend, tend to start out fairly hot every year, fortunately, thankfully. And I hit a mid-season lull, and then, you know, I'll generally will finish out the season pretty well. So Right, right. Yeah. And it's just, it's the typical way it is, you know. And I think the only way you can, and there's really not a way that you can prevent that sometimes from happening, but the only way is to spend time scouting and really pinpoint the location of what's going on with those turkeys because you're going to go through a, you know, a lull in gobbling, and unless you know kind of what they're doing on a daily basis, it's hard to put your finger on what's going on. Yeah. So is it too early to look ahead to 2018 and hear what your plans are for 
the spring 2018 season? No, you know, I... uh... Okay, so that is all that I have for you for the free portion of this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. If you would like to hear the remainder of this week's episode, you can do that by becoming a premium subscriber. And the first step to become a premium subscriber to the show is to text the word Turkey Hunter. Make it one word with no spaces. Turkey Hunter to the number 44222. When you do that, I will text you back asking you to reply only with your email address. And when you do that, then I actually will email you a link that you can click on to become a subscriber to the premium content of the Turkey Hunter podcast. Now, becoming a subscriber to the premium content will let you get the full episode each and every week as we go forward for the next 52 weeks, but it also will allow you to get access to the premium content from the past episodes as well. And there just so happens to be a couple of full episodes to the show that are now premium content as well. So if you want to have access to all of that content, then you need to be a premium subscriber. The cost to do so is 12 US dollars a year. So basically for a dollar per month, you'll get access to all of the premium content for the Turkey Hunter podcast. So before I cut you loose, I want to say thanks to Chris Parrish for taking time out of his schedule to spend some time with me to work on this little project that he and I have going on and to share with all of us a couple of stories from his 2017 season as well. So that's all that I've got for you guys this week. But before I let you go, if you would do me one huge favor, I'd greatly appreciate it. If you would forward this week's episode to one or two of your buddies, just forward it on to them through your podcast player app. Most of the podcast player apps these days have a forward feature where you can actually forward a link to this particular episode to anybody in your contact list. So if you'll forward this episode to a couple of people, I'd be very appreciative. And on that note, thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices and I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.